Welcome to episode 4 of the Steel Games Podcast. This is the WrestleMania 36 special. We are going to talk all about WrestleMania 36 night 1 and WrestleMania 36 night 2. So all the matches, all the matches, all this part what I'm going to say and what we're going to do is I was going to split it up into night one and night two but that's just a load of effort and I'm lazy so we're just going to straight up go through every match in order it will be night one and night two and I will say when I've transitioned but I won't technically split into two different parts it'll just be one really long part which makes no difference to those on Spotify or anywhere else but to those of you that are on Anchor you'll kind of notice the difference and night one's pre-show started off with Cesaro taking on Drew Gulak can I just say something right now right this very second why is Cesaro not being given such a massive push and why is Cesaro not the universal champion right now Cesaro is amazing and so, so, so underrated. It's ridiculous. Like, I've been saying for years that Cesaro needs a main roster, like, title run with a main title because he's had, like, the US title and tag titles and stuff. But, like, I mean, like, a physical, like, you know, the WWE title or the Universal Cesaro needs to run with that, like, a good lengthy run with that. He is so good. So wonderful and so talented, and every time Cesaro steps in the ring, he just gets even more talented every time he steps in the ring. And I genuinely want to see Cesaro with the Universal title or the WWE title because hey, he can move to Raw and face Drew McIntyre. Oh my god, Cesaro! Oh my god, Cesaro versus Drew McIntyre. Snap match would be amazing. And then night one started off with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeating the Kabuki Warriors. I I thought this match was okay. It was an alright match. But then the finish happened where Alexa Bliss got the surprise roll up on Oscar. I mean, come on, really? You're just going to straight up do a finish like that? I'm sick of finishes like that. I'm sick and tired of finishes 
That endless surprise roll-ups is ridiculous. It's stupid, it's silly, it's pointless, it is dumb, and it does not need to happen. It really doesn't need to happen. Elias defeated King Corbin. I don't really know what to say about this match. It was just there. For me, that match was just there. You didn't need it. Elias versus King Corbin, if you took it off the show, it wouldn't have really mattered. It wasn't really like anything special. It was just there. Was the one I did like. I did like Elias' little song at the start. I like that, however. How Elias was like, well, nobody's here in the performance centre, but I can sing to everybody at home, and he did, and I liked that. I just didn't like the match. I just didn't think we needed a match. You could have just straight up had Elias singing and left the match out. But hey, that's just my opinion. This was something that came as a complete surprise to me and I didn't expect which was Becky Lynch beating Shayna Baszler oh, you never guess what surprise roll up I mean come on one night we had two surprise roll up finishes and what does that do as well when you think about Shayna Baszler who had this really effective raw debut and a really effective performance at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. What does that do for her? Like that just straight up buries Shayna Baszler, doesn't it? I feel like you just called her up and instantly buried her in every sense possible. I could be completely wrong, but that's certainly what it looks like because she just lost via a roll-up. I mean, hey, maybe it could go somewhere. Maybe that's leading to going somewhere that Shayna might and salty that she lost via a roll-up. I don't know. Or maybe she says Becky couldn't be energy. I don't know where that's going. I really, really don't. Sami Zayn defeating Daniel Bryan to retain the Intercontinental Championship. I um don't really know what to say about it. Like, I was entirely surprised this happened. To be honest, I was like legitimately expecting Daniel Bryan to pin Sami Zayn and win the Intercontinental Title because it's Sami Zayn, but apparently. Sami Zayn straight up getting a title run, which is actually amazing. I don't think Sami Zayn needs like a big like main title run like I said with Cesaro. Sami Zayn could just do with like a little mini title run, like you know, intercontinental title and stuff. But it is just so good to see Sami Zayn actually holding a title in WWE and not on this like losing streak of like what was that losing streak at like. 30 matches in a row before he won a match or something. It's just so nice to see. It really, really is just so nice to see. And then for some reason, because The Miz was injured, we still had to defend the SmackDown Tag Team titles, but in a singles match. So John Morrison defeated Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston to retain the titles by himself. And I remember watching it thinking, does that make John Morrison the champion if Miz is no longer the champion? Or does Miz still take the champion? But I just have to say, as of right now, when you do this to me, this match was probably the best match on night one. It really, really was. Probably one of the best matches on night one. 
You put John Morrison, Jimmy Newsom, and Kofi Kingston in a ring together, and you know that you're going to get an incredibly, incredibly good time. It was amazing. Especially seeing John Morrison climb up the ladder to go then look like he was about to grab the tag team titles, then decide against it, jump off the ladder, dive out of the ring, land on top of Jimmy Uso and Big E. It was wonderful to see he looked at the titles, and then straight up was like, actually, you know what, I don't think we've got a chance of getting the titles because Big E started to move and get up. You know, because Big E was kind of out there doing his thing for a bit. With Kofi, this was like right at the start. He came out with Kofi right at the start and did his thing and then left. That was when Kofi came out. It was actually near the end of the match. Like John Morrison's looking to think, oh, Kofi's getting up. What should I do? And jumps for it. For a second time in the match. For a second time in the match, he jumped for it. He like straight up jumped for it, dived with everybody. And when he, uh, and he actually won it as well. They won, you know, Miz and Morrison won, but they won it. <laughs> the greatest moment. Jimmy Uso was, Kofi was on top of the ladder. Jimmy Uso was halfway up the ladder. I had to pull Kofi off. John Morrison came up the ladder, suplexed them both off the ladder. They went flying out of the ring. And then John Morrison just climbed up and pulled the titles off. That match was incredible. I didn't even go through that entire match. There was so much in that match. And so much going on. It was so fun. So enjoyable. And I really, really loved it. It was very, very good. I loved it so much. How about Owens defeating Seth Rollins? Um, again, this match was kind of just there. Didn't really know what to make of it. It was just there. It was kind of just there, to be honest. It didn't really do much for me. But what happened on the Raw after Mania did a lot for me. That did a lot for me with Seth. It did a real low for me for Seth. It really, really did. Because on the Raw after Mania, Seth Rollins came out and called himself the Monday Night Messiah. So that is now his new heel gimmick. He is now the Monday Night Messiah as opposed to the Beef Slayer, King Slayer, and whatever else he comes out with the baby face. He is now calling his heel character the Monday Night Messiah. So there you go. I, I really like that and I really like the work. It could possibly go into this. I think that could be very fun work. Possibly. That could be a very good heel run going there with Seth. I think this is... Not that I've seen a lot of it. But certainly from what he you know, did on the Raw After Mania. It certainly looks like it could be the best heel Seth character. A lot better than... Um, this authority figure Seth. Because I didn't really like authority figure Seth. I didn't really approve of that. I didn't really... Have things with that, I didn't really like authority figure Seth. But that's just my opinion. We then had Braun Strowman defeating Goldberg. I honestly did not like this match. This match was horrible, this match was disgusting, this match was boring. This match was literally just for about 30 seconds Goldberg squashing Brock Lesnar. Like, it was basically like if you go back to the Survivor Series, where it was like a 30-second match in which Goldberg squashed Brock Lesnar won in 30 seconds, this was the exact same match, but with Braun Strowman. 
it was just 30 seconds of Braun Strowman squashing Goldberg. I think Goldberg got like one punch in, but that was about it. It was so stupid and so pointless, it didn't need to be there. It really didn't need to be there. Like, what were we trying to prove? Like, what were you trying to prove? Like, I don't know what you were trying to prove. Like, you straight up had the Fiend lose to Goldberg in Super Showdown? Just so that Goldberg could be squashed by Braun? I mean, if they're just setting up a Bray Braun feud, then I'm alright with it. But if it goes somewhere completely different, I don't know. I literally don't understand the point of this match. Like, you straight up had the Fiend Bray Wyatt lose purely so Goldberg could get squashed at Mania by Braun. To me, that just doesn't really make any sense, and I don't really understand that. Like, what on earth was the point to that? Like, what on earth was the point to that? There was no physical point to that, and it was stupid and dumb, I think. It shouldn't have happened. And night one ended with The Undertaker taking on AJ Styles in a Boneyard match, which I didn't know what it was going into it. Going into it this entire time, I was like, Boneyard match? What the shit is that Boneyard match about? And basically, a Boneyard match was a match that took place in a cemetery. And the concept was, you had to bury them alive. So basically, the Boneyard match was a buried alive match, but in a cemetery. So basically, the Boneyard match was a buried alive match, but in a cemetery. That was the basic premise of the match. And I honestly thought this match was pure perfection. I did not have a single issue with this. I legitimately didn't have a single issue with this. Undertaker and AJ Styles did this match perfectly. They did this match perfectly. And the finish and the winner of the match was so wonderfully well done. Because throughout, throughout the build-up to this, AJ Styles was being like, Ugh. Undertaker, you can't win. You know, you can't win. You're an old man and you're past your prime and you won't beat me. And it's just like that concept of when Undertaker did win, it was just so good because it's not like proving AJ wrong and I like that. And this match was great as well. Like Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson got a bit involved, or tried to get a bit involved, but Undertaker just tombstones piled right over them off a truck that was like four foot up on the air smashed them onto the ground below and they did such a good job of selling it Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson did such a good job of selling that because they were straight up down there for like 10 minutes on the floor because after that part the match went on for another 10 minutes they were straight up down on the floor like on the floor like lying there and it was absolutely wonderfully done wonderfully 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 done I loved it it really was wonderfully done it really really was there was no issues or problems I had with that match that match was just straight up fun enjoyment and it was something different, which I think at times like this, we need different stuff. Because, like, these empty arena shows with no crowd in them, you can't technically do them forever, because it is going to start to get a bit repetitive doing 
fed up shows all the time in front of nobody. So you've got to do these interesting matches and these different style of matches and these possibly unheard of matches to keep people entertained and pe keep people coming back. And I think the Boneyard match is a very sore now, moving on to night two, the pre-show match was Liv Morgan versus Natalia, which kind of just happened. And uh, Liv Morgan won by a surprise roll-up again, which is kind of stupid. That's three surprise roll-ups in one pay-per-view oh, for like two days. It's stupid. I hate them. Like, to me, a surprise roll-up roll finishes WWE going... Well, we don't really know what to do for this match, but we need a finish, so surprise roll-up! That's just the assumption I get from WWE and surprise roll-up finishes. They don't really know how to finish a match, but they know that they have to, so they do a surprise roll-up finish. It's so stupid, it's so silly, and so ridiculous. I just hate it. I really, really hate those finishes. They're really, really stupid. And... Opening night two, we had Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. I didn't like this match. In the form of the finish. The match itself was very, very, very good. I had no issues with the match in general. It was just a finish. Like, I kind of felt like we should have given Rhea Ripley a straight up long, lengthy title run. Because of what she does, she met Shayna Baszler. Who held the title for about a year. I mean it wasn't Oscar's two years stint. But she held the title for like a year. And nobody had been able to beat Shayna Baszler. And Rhea Ripley was able to do that. But then we just come to Mania. And she just straight up loses to Charlotte instantly. I didn't quite like it. It was kind of like oh why. It was nice enough. I just didn't quite like the finish. I think maybe it should have led into. You know Rhea beating Charlotte. And then. Charlotte underestimating Rhea and then it went somewhere from there, but it didn't. That would have been a bit better for me because it would have been like Charlotte thinking, okay, I've underestimated these women of like the current NXT roster. I have to step up my game. But that didn't happen. It was just Charlotte's better by submission. And when Charlotte got the figure eight in, I think Rhea pretty much tapped out instantly, to be honest. That wasn't even like a try and hold it, it was just an instant tap out. I mean, if she tried to hold it for a length of time, it might have been better, but it was just an instant tap out. But it came overall, pretty good match. Didn't really have a problem with it, still a pretty good match. Next match, however, Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley. Did we even need it? It was there, but it was pointless, and it was stupid, and it was silly, and we so could have lived without it. We so, so could have lived without it. We did not need that match on the card in any way, shape or form. We really, really didn't need that match in any shape or form at all. It was not fun. It was not enjoyable. It was pretty much just a squash match where Alistair Black squashed Bobby Lashley, which makes no sense. Which makes no sense at all because Bobby Lashley is like twice the size of Alistair Black. But hey, whatever. Maybe that's going to go somewhere. I don't know. But it really was just pointless. We really didn't need it. And I really wasn't into it. Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. I was for some reason. I just loved it. Like. Honestly. 
I would have switched part of heavy machinery was always just the best part of heavy machinery for me. Like it just was. Like Coco was always good, but I think Otis was like the real bring out star of heavy machinery. Now I'm not entirely sure what Taco is, I think he's injured right now. But seeing Otis do his single stuff and his stuff with Mandy Rose, when it first started I was like, Oh god, not this stupid thing. But honestly it's been the greatest thing. It really, really has been the greatest thing. And the finish to this match was great. Otis just straight up pinned Dolph Ziggler in the middle of the ring. Mandy Rose came in. The two of them kissed. Otis picked up Mandy Rose and they walked off backstage. Holding each other. And there was a WWE.com thing that was put up after Mania. After Mania and it was just like Otis and Mandy. And it was Charlie Caruso asking Otis. She was like, how's it feel to beat Dolph Ziggler? And Otis just goes, it's like, yeah. It's like, I beat Dolph Ziggler and I got the man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just the greatest thing. <laughs> it was just the greatest thing. He goes, first of all, I've beaten Dolph Ziggler. Secondly, I got the girl. Got a happy ending. Then he goes, actually, wait, no, I got two happy endings. It's like, we got two happy endings. And then he just wanders off, kisses Mandy Rose and wanders off. It was great. It was beautiful. It did everything it needed to. It literally did everything it needed to. And it was wonderful and it was enjoyable and I loved every minute of it. Edge versus Randy Orton's last match standing match for me was a good match. It was a very good match. It made full use and full effect of the performance center. I just kind of think it went on for too long. The match itself was about an hour and five minutes long. Like, I think the match itself was a very, very good match. I just think it was too long. And the match didn't need to be as long as it was. Like, why did we need an hour's length of Last Man Standing match? Like, I, I really enjoyed the match, but I did kind of get to a point where I was streaming this on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward steelgaming2341, my live reaction to that. And I kind of got to a point and I said to my chat during this, it's like, does this match have an ending? Or is this an indefinite, this match goes on forever type match? I mean, it did end after like an hour and five minutes, but I I was enjoying it, but I still got to a point of like me asking if this match was going to end. Or if this match was just straight up going to go on forever. Like, that was my only complaint to that match, is it was a bit too long. Like, we didn't really need over an hour's worth of Last Man Standing match. I don't really know what that was supposed to gain from that. I really don't understand what we're supposed to gain from having Randy Orton versus Edge and Last Man Standing match for an hour. Like, are we trying to prove that Edge can still go, or are we trying to prove that both of these men are incredible fighters and don't straight up lose? I don't really know. And it also felt very weird as well, like the entrance stuff. Seeing Edge come out, make his WrestleMania return, to this dead silence, it was weird. It was really, really weird. And also the Edge's entrance without Pyro was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. 
Like he came out with no pyro. Like Edge still did his thing. Like you know when Edge does his thing where he like bends down the sticks and that does that, and the pyro comes out. He done that, but no pyro came out. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And it was also just weird having a mania with no pyro. It was very very strange. It really was the strangest thing. I just didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> like, having Mania with a pile was strange. Having Edge make his Mania return in front of nobody was strange. They still did do a pretty good job of the show, considering there was nobody there, but it was just a strange thing that existed. But the match definitely was too long. We did not need an hour and five minutes. You clearly could have shrunk that match down. And it still would have been just as enjoyable. But if not a little bit more enjoyable, because it wouldn't have been too long. Street Profits defeating Angel Garza and Austin Theory. Whatever. Literally throughout this match, which is for me, it was just like, whatever. It was there. It was nothing like the SmackDown Tag Team title match the previous night. If anything, this match was like, a, not just a downgrade, but a massive downgrade. The SmackDown Tag Team title ladder match was... You know, all the way up to like the height of me, and I'm like five foot. The, the Raw Tag Team title match was like bearing, I'm not 70 foot under the floor. It was not good at all. It really wasn't good at all. It's nice to have the Street Profits as champions, but honestly, they're not doing a whole lot with them, and anything they do do with them, it's straight up not interesting. Like, it's literally not interesting. Which is sad, because in NXT I really love the Street Profits, and I still love the Street Profits, I just don't think anything they're really doing with the Street Profits is that exciting. I just don't think there's anything exciting going on with the Street Profits, I just think they should be doing a little bit more with the Street Profits, but they're not. Like, they ain't doing anything else with the Street Profits, and it's kind of sad to say that they don't do a lot with the Street Profits. Because they're so talented and so amazingly incredible on the roster, but... They just don't really get used a whole lot, and there's not a lot they do with Street Profits and anything like that. Which is kind of sad, but, you know what? It is Vince McMahon, we've just built Vince McMahon, does he just screw up a lot of NXT call-ups? Bailey retained the SmackDown Women's Championship, and I actually really liked this match. The match itself was okay, but I really liked the match for one reason. fact that it's like for so long now WWE have been teasing a Bailey and Sasha match but then they've always kind of avoided it it was like when they first teased a Bailey Sasha match it was heading into SummerSlam last year it was heading into SummerSlam no it wasn't last year was it it was the year before it was heading into SummerSlam the year before heading into SummerSlam 2018 and Bailey just straight up came out and you know attacked Sasha, brutalized her, but it was a heel turn, and then everybody thought, oh, that's a heel turn, and then it kind of went nowhere. And then, like, two weeks later, they were like, they were in therapy sessions, and they just essentially just made up with best friends again. And then they went back to it, but then they made up again. But there was a small falling out here. And I kind of liked it, it was like, 
Sasha tried to eliminate Bailey, and then Bailey was like, Oh, right, what are you doing? You're supposed to be in this match to help me retain the title, not pin me. I really, really enjoyed that. The way Sasha tried to pin Bailey, and Bailey was like, You're supposed to be in this match to help me. You're a friend. You don't pin me, and I really liked that. I thought that was really, really cool. I kind of thought that was really cool. The rest of the match I didn't really care about, but that specific part of the match was very fun and enjoyable. I also want to ask, what was going on during this Firefly Funhouse match? This was less match, more what the shit. Like, we started off, John Cena makes his entrance into the arena. Bray Wyatt appears to the Titantron and goes, Come to my place. We can have a party at the, at the fun house. Come round. So John Cena straight up walks into the fun house. Bray Wyatt's not there. The Vince McMahon puppet comes out. And just like, You're fired. And then like Bray's voice appears after the Vince McMahon puppet shouts, You're fired and goes, Follow me, Cena. Follow the voice. So Cena follows the voice, and it straight up takes Cena to wearing his, like, debut shorts. <laughs> and we were on what looked like Smackdown, and Bray was just standing in a ring, cutting Kurt Angle's promo. He was the weirdest thing, like, you just straight up... There was less match here, more life of John Cena's career. It was very funny. It was really, really different. I really liked it. I don't think it was on par with a Boneyard match from night one, but it certainly was very different. It really was amazing to see this. It was kind of weird as well, especially when we saw like Cena's debut. And then Bray just straight up punched him and stuff, and that was that. I mean, he didn't pin him. There was nothing like pinfalls so that wasn't completely accurate, but then that went back back, I think. But then, and then things just from there straight up got weirder. Then John Cena appeared rapping the Dr. Fugonomics thing. <laughs> and then he straight up came out and started roasting Bray Wyatt. And I can't remember quite what he said, but he said stuff about Bray's mum. And I, I genuinely love Fugonomics John Cena. I think it's great. I really do think it's great. I really, really do think it's so good. I really, really do. Like, it didn't last very long. Fugonomics John Cena, but I much prefer it to this John Cena. Just the fact that he comes out and he just raps and just says shit about people. I love this John Cena so much better than the one we've currently got. Uh, but that's just my opinion. It's very nice John Cena. And then we kind of went to... um, I don't even know what we went to. It was like some sort of John Cena and Bray doing commentary. And the weirdest part was... John Cena and Bray were doing commentary on a John Cena and Bray Wyatt match. Like, they were commentating their own match. And, like, during that match, I heard Cena sit there and go, Oh! And Cena with a little suplex to Bray! He's like, John Cena is impressed with John Cena. It was the weirdest thing. Like, seeing them commentate their own match was weird. It really was just weird and quite. And then we went to the whole like current day John Cena stuff, and that was kind of a thing. And then we went backward and we were like 
Cena and Bray won the Attitude Era and they were in WCW. And then they were doing ECW stuff. They kind of taking the piss out of ECW and then... And then we straight up went back to the ring. We had current day John Cena making his entrance into the ring. And this was kind of the end of the match. And it got very weird. It got very, very weird. The Fiend was in the ring. The Fiend hit John Cena with Sister Abigail. And then got what, what got really weird, the Fiend went for a pinfall, but nobody counted it. There was no ref. It's like, well, how do you win because there's no ref? And then the Fiend went for another Sister Abigail, hit it. And then what got really weird and what got really, really strange was the fact that Bray Wyatt appears out of nowhere, counts the pinfall, John Cena just disappeared into, I don't know where, I legitimately don't know where, he just appeared, he just disappeared into nowhere, like literally disappeared into nowhere, and then Bray Wyatt holds up the hand of the Fiend, and the two of them hug, and I was like, what are you going on here? I thought Bray was supposed to be the Fiend, and I don't think Bray hugged the Fiend. I was very confused, it was... Like, with the thingy match, the Boneyard match from the previous night, I just enjoyed all of it. Like, I spent less time enjoying this match, and more time going, What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is happening? What am I looking at? What am I watching? Like, it was different, I'll give it that. But I couldn't really enjoy the match, because I spent too much time being confused with what was going on. Like, I remember saying to my Twitch chat at the time, like, does anybody know here what's going on? Does anybody know what this match is supposed to be? Does anybody know what I'm looking at and what I'm watching? And nobody understood it. Nobody knew what was going on. I actually had one of my Twitch moderators um, put a thing in the chat and said they would enjoy this match if they understood what was going on and knew the rules, but they didn't and they were very confused. And they spent more time trying to work out what was going on that they couldn't enjoy it, but they were too confused to enjoy it. And I have to agree. I really do have to agree. I really, really do. The main event of the entire show was Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. And honestly, it was just great. It really was. Like, Drew beat Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. It wasn't a long match, but it didn't need to be. I think my only problem with this match was Drew won the title in front of nobody. Like, I genuinely love Drew, but I think, just think of it this way. Like, over 100,000 people in an arena with Drew McIntyre winning the world title. Just think of the reaction that would get. Seriously, just think of the reaction that would have gotten. I think that was the only problem I had with this match. That was the only problem I had with this match, was the fact that nobody was there to, like, you know, do anything. There was nobody there, so it was, like, a silent reaction. And I felt very sad for Drew. I really, really did. When he won the title, I felt very sad for Drew. But honestly, when Drew won the title as well, I'm not saying I got a bit excited, but during the Twitch stream, I may have got so excited that I fell, like, jump upward, fell backward and smashed my head off the carpet in my office whilst I was streaming. Because <laughs> I may have got a little bit overexcited about the fact that Drew is champion. Like, I genuinely may have got a little bit excited about the fact that Drew is champion. Because honestly, Drew is amazing. And I've said for years that Drew needed 
a world title shot and he got a world title shot and it was amazing. And he also didn't wait long to defend his title either. Because we didn't find it out. They didn't show it, it just ended after Drew won the title. But it was on the Raw after WrestleMania, they showed a thing where the big show came out. Congratulate Drew, did his whole, you know, congratulate Drew thing. And then was like, oh, by the way, you beat Brock Lesnar was a fluke. You won't beat me. So we chant the big show, so straight up return, chance for the match, and then Dolph Ziggler just kind of said, well, oh, Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> my brain can't work today. My brain literally can't work today. And then Drew McIntyre was like, well, hang on a minute. I had to earn my title shot by winning the Royal Rumble match. You're telling me that you can just straight up return whenever you can be asked to and get a title shot. And he was like, Drew was just like, who do you think you are? Brock Lesnar? That's what Brock Lesnar does. Turns out everyone gets a title shot. And I really loved it. But then, and then McIntyre was like, but you know what? Just to prove that you don't need to be here for a title shot, I'm going to give you one and beat you. And he did. Drew beat him. And it was great. It was enjoyable. And I loved it. And it's just nice. I really hope that we get a lengthy title one with Drew. We don't just get the next pay-per-view, which is Money in the Bank. Drew just straight up loses. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Drew losing the Money in the Bank. I really don't. I want to see that go somewhere. And I want to see that title run mean something. Because this is wonderful. Drew deserves this. And it just kind of makes up what Vince McMahon said years ago. Because years ago when he first debuted, Vince McMahon was like, claimed he was a future WWE champion. And it never made it into a fruition. But now it has done. And it is so wonderful to see. And I really, really love it. And Drew deserves, deserves it, seriously. Because this man has worked hard. Like, so damn hard his entire career. So he genuinely deserves to be WWE Champion, he really, really does. And I'm really, really excited to see where this goes, and I really, really hope Drew has a title reign for 77 years. Because I genuinely love Drew, and I'm not just saying that because Drew's Scottish and I'm Scottish, I think Drew is such an underrated wrestler, and I've said it for years, Drew is such an underrated wrestler, and like... His first run in WWE didn't mean anything, then when he got released, you kind of expected. But then he came back to NXT, straight up won the NXT Championship in his first match, defended it for a bit. But then he kind of lost it to Adam Cole. But then went to Raw and then did some tag title stuff. And like Drew, ever since coming back, has just been on a blast since he came back. And I've loved every minute of it. And this, like, Getting the WWE title was like the combination of Drew returning. Like he returned with a purpose and he's fulfilled that purpose. Now he's got a new purpose in life which is take on everybody and defend his title for as long as possible. And I love that. I love Drew so much. I really, really do love Drew so much. I really, really do. So that's going to do it for this. That's uh, maybe a 36 podcast special. Next week. It'll be a Money in the Bank special, because, well, the reason this WrestleMania 36 podcast was longer to make than planned was because we kept having internet issues, because it kept breaking all the time, and the internet kept going down, and then, straight up, internet went down completely and didn't work, and so it was like a week of nothing, so it was like a week of no internet in the house, 
and I didn't have any 4G because I used all my 4G. So you know, couldn't really do that. That was just a thing. But next week, it'll go back to be weekly now because internet's working again and we've got new blocks, which is actually kind of insane. Our previous box had like internet speeds of like 37 megabytes a second internet speed. This internet speed is 3 gigabyte a second. Which is kind of insane. Like, literally kind of insane. Very, very, very wacky and very, very insane. I really, really, really freaking enjoy it. I really, really do freaking enjoy it. It's amazing. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention whilst I'm here is we're going to split this up into seasons. Season 1 will probably, possibly go as far as SummerSlam. And then we'll take a break and then we'll come back to Season 2, whenever. I don't know when, but that's probably how it's going to go down. Season 1 will probably go as far as SummerSlam. Then we'll take a break and we'll come back with Season 2. That's probably what I'm thinking about doing. So it'll be like, Season 1 goes up to SummerSlam and then we kind of don't. But that will do it for today. Next week, Money in the Bank special! La 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 la! And we may also kind of talk about the Raw after Money in the Bank if anything exciting happens. Because sometimes there is some exciting stuff that happens, sometimes there's not. We'll just have to wait and see. But for now, thank you very much and goodbye!